This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Now let me, so I didn't want to, just let me apologize in advance for the lateness, but as I was like, I was mitigating, I had mitigated the other two situations, and I was strapping myself in to this ridiculous chair that I have that I use for this podcast that looks like the Iron Throne, basically. Ah. Less sharp, because that just got messy. But I plugged in my mic, and it just sounded like... I'm like, that doesn't sound too good. No. And I think... So I I had uh, hooked up my other mic. I have two mics. And I'd hooked up the one... That has phantom power, but the phantom power was already on. No, I'm uh, sorry, it was off, and I had the phantom power on on my recorder, and that's a terrible thing to do. Yes. And I think I may have destroyed it. But it's known to happen. We'll see. That's. But luckily, you have a backup. I have a backup, and that's an so issue. So for tonight, we're for, good. For another time. For another time. And then issue number one was I have to be quiet because I might get overheard hang on I think I see footsteps outside the door who's out there no I think we're safe so issue number one issue number three was the mic issue number one was I come home I make dinner for the family. That is my task. That's one of the things that I do. Yeah. I just make the food. I make the dinners. I don't know what to tell you. I make the dinners. It's what I do. But today, my daughter called my wife and was like, oh, whatever. They were just talking. It's like, oh, can we have tacos for dinner? Sure. Let's have some nice American tacos. Can you get out the ground beef and defrost it? It's probably in the freezer. I know it's in the freezer. There's two freezers. It's in one of the freezers. If you can't find it, ask my mom who lives with me. Okay. And we get home. You know, had to stay a little bit late at work. Got home a little bit late. It's like, all right, let's get these tacos started. Got the ground beef defrosted. Uh, no. No, I didn't know where it was. Wait, what? what? I don't... So then that couldn't happen. That's like an extra... An hour. You have to add an hour just immediately onto the meal prep. So, So did you add the hour on, or did you just go a different route? We added the hour on, basically. We so we, to... we went a different route, 
but we had to still add the hour on. Right. So at this point, you just because you can either go a different route, and that different route takes an hour, or you right. can just stay on the original route. Also an hour. An hour. Well, right. well, they both involve frozen meats, so it's like, it right. doesn't really matter at this point. You couldn't defrost the ground beef in the microwave? That's just against your let's essence. Let's not get into that. It's Let's just, uh, let's stay right. away from that. Do we have? I don't know. I, I think that's, don't we get it? We get into things. That's what the show is about. Got a little bit of, and you just drink it. Fine. It's hot now. Americans like their, their consumables either very, very hot or very, very cold. Because it's radiation, but, you know, the broiler in your oven is radiation. So, I don't know. There, there's, a, oh. there's a modicum of ethics there. And so this is a... Potential health risk issue. In general, and avoid a microwave. When, when possible. When possible. There are times... That is the opposite of my cooking. Well... Because I cook everything in the microwave. I very rarely use the oven. That's the I'll thing. I'll go so far to say I almost never use the oven, and I sometimes use a stovetop, but almost always use a microwave. I sometimes, There's never a meal. I sometimes look at the microwave longingly. Yeah, two-thirds of the contents of every meal, between two-thirds and three-thirds of every meal I prepare... Well, that's the it's thing. in the microwave. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit it. Not necessarily because I have any sort of health issues as much as I have. I just feel like, I don't know, it's not true cooking. It's like, I, I don't know what it's like. It's I like digital versus film or I something. completely disagree. It is true cooking. See, we come down on the same side of this <laughs> issue. It is completely true cooking. You're adding heat to food. Who cares how you do it? Direct heat, indirect heat, charcoal, gas, you know, it doesn't, you're adding heat to food in some way. You're cooking. Now, granted, you can have disgusting things. If you cook the wrong kind of thing the wrong way in a microwave, it'll come out all rubbery and disgusting. Yeah. Don't do those things. It's like cooking something on the grill till it's medium rare. If you do a chuck roast on the grill till it's medium rare... It's going to be disgusting, you know? It's all yeah, about well, how you use the technology. That's true. And I, the trick with the microwave also is, like, use it on a low-power setting. You can get away with a lot more in that case. Well, I dare you to do it at 425 and see how you're going to do. Yep. If you've smoked it for four hours and been slathering it with liquid and wrapped it tight in aluminum foil and then do it in the microwave, sure, fine. You just throw it or throw it in the oven at 425, though? No. Hell no. Not going to work. The worst thing in the world to microwave is pizza. Yeah, but... Mm, yes. But, but, yes. but. I guarantee there's ways is, that you can do it, though. I well, know that there I'm, are. That's what I'm going to say. Got that's what I've discovered. What do you got? You, you normally, in my life, I'll put pizza in the microwave, which I regularly do, even though it comes out 
bad mushy and like it's still gross. yeah the, 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 the the crust is totally rubbery yeah it's gross it's it's gross but it's still pizza so it's, it's still, still good pizza. right you it's still, still melted it. cheese and the carbs it's all good still there's it's meats still good. on it now that you can have beautiful but, but or no uh, are you off the meats again I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm oh, let's move phase. on. Come on, let's but at least the, move on from that. You put the pizza. Okay, cook the pizza, and this is maybe common knowledge. Parchment it's paper, relatively new to me in the last maybe year, two years. Magnets. Do you put it on magnet spread? I put it on maybe thirty percent power. Okay. Because microwaves, you can set the power. I've my whole I'm, life just have we not a hundred percent have we not talked about this i have such a we have not said this i've had it written down maybe i forgot about it this is like We've episode 12 i wanted it. to talk about probably this probably talked about it just yeah just continue i don't even care at this because i want to doesn't matter pizza you finish you finish cook it at, cook it at a low level 10 percent, 20 30 40 percent adjust the time accordingly don't say 10 percent most of that rubber factor That's all. What uh, what vessel do you place the pizza on, or just right on the glass? All the gross glass with like rot, like eggs that are old and rotten, but like cooked on there, so they're probably sterile. Do you just put it right on the glass in the microwave, or do you, did the glass break and you actually put it on the little carousel, just directly on the carousel? Or, or is this this is where the magnets come in, right? It levitates, Holmes. Yeah, exactly. All right. It's always around this time that it levitates. But seriously, what do you put it on? I'm asking. It's a real question. The piece of pizza, I will just put on a a plate, which isn't the best. Ceramic plate? Plastic plate? Ceramic plate? plate. Dirt plate? All right, ceramic plate. I think some other thing in there would be better. Paper towel. So, yes, I am on another Wi-Fi network, which we will see if this yields better results. But I'm looking at things that just made me feel like my connection on my computer is what was dropping out. So let's see if this is better. I think it will be. And I wasn't saying that you're Mr. Fancy Pants for having two wireless connections. One's for the kids, one's for you, so that they're not, like, you can restrict certain areas. That is not true at all. Not it. It's not what you're doing. Nope. Everyone uses, everyone in this house uses the same, do you really want to know why? Mm Mm-hmm. Is this on the show? Mm Mm-mm. Because maybe it should be. All right, let's come back then. Let's count it down. We're just generating me, yeah, content. Here we go. Here we go. Let's All right. put that. Right. Let's count it down again, though. All right. We don't have to. Fuck that. No, nope, we're still in there. Yep. Right. Okay. I just need to write it down. All right. I'm going to make a weird noise there, and now we're back. That was interesting. What was going on there? That, every time, <laughs> Skype at about some point in the first between 10 and 20 minutes, it dies. Let me say that it's only because of my genius with video and audio that it's rare that anyone notices. Because it does happen almost every time. Yeah, every time. But you patch it up. You sew it up. You cut and and 
sew and trim and do all that stuff and you don't know no, no one no one out there in radio land even notices i actually started to get a little irritated i'm pretty much the worst audio guy in the world because i got irritated that nobody noticed that's when you know you're doing a good job nobody notices yeah and i had that one episode where it was so egregious i'm like i could just patch it up and make it sound perfect but I was just putting weird sounds in there, so you weren't hearing things, Ben. <laughs> and yeah, well, I was gonna say, speaking of Radio Land, we should give a uh, shout out to our our listener, Trash Boat. Oh yes, Trash Boat. Thank you, Trash Boat. It's good to know you listen. And you know what's great about Trash Boat's life right now? Tell me, Adam. He's on. Not even the front nine. He's on the front, like, seven. He's very early on into his Gutterball's journey. The world extends out. The Gutterball's world extends out in front of him like an ocean yeah. of if he audio candy. It, <laughs> if he sticks with it for, you know, another year or so, he'll eventually get to this episode and hear his shout-out. Trash Boat claims that there are at least two listeners in Poland. So for that, we can be proud. Yes. I, I, what did I say there? I said it makes it all worthwhile. You did say that. Because knowing we have, just knowing we have listeners out there, whenever we discover a new listener, I, I love it. It's, it you've it's just warms my elated. soul. It's elation. And to know out there in Poland. We remain strong in Poland. Right. The land of my ancestors. Two listeners. That's awesome. So, you were going to talk about microwave strength? You didn't finish the... We're going to talk about why there's multiple Wi-Fi networks in my house. It was the whole point. Multiple Wi-Fi networks are... So, I have two Wi-Fi networks. Why do you have two Wi-Fi networks? So, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So, I have an Apple time capsule that sits up in the main living room of my house, the main living area, not really living room. And that there is a, that is, that is connected via ethernet. Is this a, this is a piece of hardware, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And it is connected because my house is wired. It was, my house was built in that weird time when you actually wired a house with ethernet. Right. There was maybe like five years. Like oh four to three years. Somewhere yeah, where it was like, oh, you've got to wire it all for Ethernet because Internet and computers, you want to be able to connect you everything. You've got to future-proof this thing. Right. And then in like 02, it's like, well, no one uses that. You just use wireless. And they don't build that in anymore. So I actually have... In 02, they were using wireless? Uh, somewhere around there. Wow. That was way so behind I, at times. So I had... Uh, so this whole house of mine is wired with, with Ethernet. I have Ethernet ports, multiple Ethernet ports in every room. It just but, uh, streams in via what? DSL? Fiber? Well, so there is Ethernet ports, and that connects to a Ethernet switch in the basement. So I kind of have this little network closet in my basement. Okay, I think, I, I think you showed that to me. Yeah, I think I did. I don't think you so, were, were even using it. To its full potential at the time, but um, maybe not its full potential, but to certain, I have like four different things that actually connect in through that. So, but what's the outside the of the house, right? Isn't that what's important? 
What do you mean? What does it connect to outside the house? Right. Well, so there's cable modem, right? So the cable okay. comes in. So the cable modem I have in, in this network closet of mine. So the cable modem's there, and then... It's not a 64K dial-up connection on the outside of the house. Because that no. would all be for naught, Brad. Well, at least intra-house it would work quick. I could, like, drag a file from, like, the computer in my bedroom to the computer in my living room. It would go really fast. That's true. But that would be about it. But the, uh... It's what we mostly want to do with our networks these days. Mostly. 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 I believe in privacy. I like to just keep it all <laughs> shut off. You go on for ten minutes. You... Download all the HTMLs and the XMLs. And they don't the, need for the next week. And the Ruby on Railses that you're going to need. And all your feeds. And then you log off. And then you consume them over the course of the week. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's my workflow. I thought so. Boy, this must make you very uncomfortable being connected out there. For well, that's why I have a second Wi-Fi network just for this. Ah! Coordinate off. So now we come down to it. Now you now you know. Seriously, go come on, just I'll stop. All it is is there's so Jesus. <laughs> so I have a network closet with the cable modem. The most recent cable modem they sent me is a cable modem router combo. So now I plug into the kit. So the cable modem now connects and also has Wi-Fi in it. So there's a cable modem with Wi-Fi and a router. The, the wires from this router connect into this Ethernet switch. And one of them goes out to my time capsule, which then provides Wi-Fi to the house because it's out in the living area. The signal's stronger, everything else. So you're getting Wi-Fi from the little combo thing and the time capsule. Yeah, so the little combo thing has its own SSID, its own separate thing that I've just never set anything up to use except for my one computer that I connect to it to like configure it and set it up. So, but the thing is right now when I record this in the basement, I'm about 3 feet from that router. That should be pretty good. So I'm like, all right, let me switch to that and maybe I'm I was predicting because even upstairs, we were having some weird dropouts earlier today, so I'm thinking there might be... So either it could be the whole system, or, but since we haven't had any dropouts since I've switched, it might just be the time capsules kind of crapping out. I probably haven't rebooted it in like a year, so I just told it to reboot. And I don't know, after we're recording, I'll see if the connection through that is any better. But... Mm. I mean, it Who seems knows? like it's better so far, because this is a reset. But. Yeah, no, it's better. But this isn't, I'm not through the time capsule anymore. Now I'm directly through that cable modem co combo thing. Seems better either way. It's, it seems really, but it seems good. It's crystal clear right now. It's so it's very good. nice. Very it's, nice. It is very nice. Doesn't matter what we talk about. We just listen, listen to the sounds. It's really about the, how good the audio is right now rather than any content. I think we've proven that content is pretty irrelevant. By now, but I did want to just has been weighing on me for a very, very long time. I had written it down somewhere. We have these old documents we use. I write down little notes. I don't know if I talked about it, but it was 
like 40 episodes ago, maybe longer. You were talking about your microwave. I got to go yes. back to this. Let's do it. I just want to say that I agree with you. Lower power settings are much, much, much better. That's the way to go in almost all situations involving microwave cooking. You can cook pretty much anything perfectly in a microwave. If you're careful, you know, you think about it. How does this thing need to be cooked? Whether it's heating a mug of liquid, cooking a piece of meat, uh, steaming some vegetables, it doesn't matter. There's a way that you can do it for almost all foods. So you're right to explore those options, but I will say that there are times when I do 100% power, but it, you know, mug of coffee that's been sitting around for a while, hour or two, day or two, whatever, 30 and seconds. That's probably fine. It's that fine. Place it doesn't go bad. Strength. If there's no mold on it, you're fine. 30 seconds, boom, it's steaming, you're good. Hmm. Nice. I freeze stock. I make homemade stock. I put it in little containers. You run some warm water around the outside. Once it's frozen, dump it into a, you know, microwave-safe container. Microwave it. It doesn't matter. You can't overcook stock once it's right. been frozen. You just want to get it, like, warm and non-melted. Yeah. Well, I think the melted. issue is, like, like with microwave cooking is usually what it does to the texture of things. Absolutely. And- if it's a liquid, you don't really have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the texture. So fire it up to 100%. But here's what frustrated me, and I'm not sure if I'm correct or not. We'll have to maybe look into this, which we will never do. 10% power, 20% power, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So if you set your microwave to 100 seconds... Which you can't do. You can do 99 seconds, which I do sometimes, just because you don't, it's easier. Why hit 130 and you can do 99? Mm hmm. You're going to miss that one second? I don't think so. So, but I'm going to use as a baseline 100 seconds. Sure. If you put. set the timer for 100 seconds and you put it on 10% power, all that means is it's going to be on 100% power for a second and then basically 0% power for 9 seconds. 100% power for a second, etc., etc. It's not exactly right. I see what you mean. It kind of like phases it. It's like like it. It, but it's like, it's not it's, like it's at 10% power. It's just over the course of the cooking time, it's going to average out to that. But it's just like slamming on for a little while and slamming off. Because I don't think that you can, what are, they're not decreasing the amplitude of the microwaves so that what they're wiggling out through the little mesh protector you have. That's the only reason they don't get out there. The amplitudes. Too high. They can't worm through there, right? <laughs> well, microwaves have different powers, like different wattages. Do they? 
I'm yeah, curious. They definitely do. There's how, different microwaves have different have different strengths, but I think what what kind of microwaves are there? I'm dying to know about this. What what do you mean? There, tell me about the different microwaves because this will make me feel at ease. Well, I don't think it should because I think you're ultimately correct. You just said I was wrong, and now I'm correct. Please explain. Well, there's two. So, in some way, you, you're you are wrong yet ultimately correct. <laughs> in that a the the microwave. You're kind of like my grandmother sometimes. It is. She can never give me a straight answer. She, I'm like, Graham, would you like some tea? Well, I, I did have a. A drink earlier this morning that was about six or seven years ago. But also, there's no reason for anybody to go and do anything for me because I'm fine right now. It's like, do you want tea? Say yes. You're always dodging around, dodging around. What do you got for me? Tell me something. So I do think that you're probably correct, and that's how the microwaves do it. But if they, you had some... They, like, pulse at a different interval, in essence. But in theory, you could have a $20,000 microwave that could have different... Well, I what think most microwaves... Like if you look at a microwave, you'll see, uh, here's how many watts it is, right? And but that's what it Walmart. works at. Some of them are 700 watts, some of them are 1,000, some are 1,200. Okay, but are there any that are, like, 700 to 12,000? Or is it well, just one? That's the that's the, that's the question, right? And I so see my stupidity serves pretty well. Is sometimes. right now no, but I believe they that technology is becoming more available. It's on the horizon. It is on the horizon. Okay, but I'm just I I'm basing my theories on observation, and you're just basing yours on what theories. Well, I don't necessarily have... I'm agreeing with you that if you set it to a lower setting, it, 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 the microwaves pulse at a certain interval. You're a futurist. And granted, it's probably at some super small scale of time. And that interval just changes based upon your, your power setting. I don't know. Next time you microwave your dinner, so tomorrow night, mm -hmm. watch what happens with your microwave. And just pay attention to it, and we'll talk about it next time. Okay. I'll make a note. We must talk about microwaves a little bit more. I'm writing it down. It's a revisit. Do you want to hear about the third reason I was late? Yes, please. It's a little difficult to say. I wore the same clothes to work two days in a row. <laughs> eh, I didn't care. I was off for 11 days in a row, and going back to work was not easy. And then they were all right, so I just put them back on. So as I was coming in here to record, after the debacle of the non-defrosted ground beef, and the possibly destroyed microphone. Well, it's actually between those two. Between those two, 
I wanted to slip into something a little more comfortable. That's all. I just wanted to change. Not that oh, big I'm a deal. It's kind of underwhelming, isn't it? It makes me good. I'm happy to know you're comfortable. I'm comfortable. But do you know what I changed into? Do you want to hear about it? Is it a bath kilt? What's a bath? Is that an actual thing? Apparently. What's a bath kilt? It's exactly what it sounds like. Is it only the bottom part? It's kind of like a bath robe, but it's a kilt. It's just from the waist down. Yeah. You're actually not too far off. I'll put it this way. It's better than what Camilo Pasquale was wearing. You want me to describe it to you? I guess sure, you're go for interested. It. I had to go outside, actually, to complete this wardrobe, because what it is is a skin-tight leotard that's flesh-colored, and I had to go out to the forest and rip some leaves and twigs off the trees, and I kind of wrapped them around myself because it just made me feel like I wasn't trapped in some sort of, like, techno nightmare. I wanted to get back to nature a little bit. So it's nice. as if I'm naked, but I'm also in touch with nature. And then I did a couple of flips and pointed my hands at the sky a couple of times. And then and stood up on a chair. And I stood up on a chair. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Been waiting a long time for this one. Long yes. time. Long and time. it's great. Almost the entire minute is a dance. Is the dance. It's, it's part a of this cycle. dance cycle. Do we want to, should we play the minute? I guess it's time. Even though mostly what you're going to hear outside of the last few seconds well, is... No, we just teed it up. They should hear the minute. Yeah, do right. it. Those are good burgers, Walter. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The kid is a ninth grade dude, and his father is... Are you ready for this? All right, you ready to come back? Oh, I thought we were back. Yeah, I'm back. Oh, maybe we are back. I don't know. You'll find I don't know what's going on most of neither, the time. Neither do I. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where we start after what the hell all that was. Well, that minute, it ends on a cliffhanger, which I really like in this format. Which one? The previous minute or this minute? No, this minute. Oh, oh. We just two, played. You know, that's two minutes in a row that had really good endings. Yeah. This one, it's not really great in the sense that it ends right on the, right on a cut, but it ends with... Um, Almost like a plot beat. Yeah, plot beat. The, Walter's saying, and his father is. Are you ready for this? 
Boom. Boom. The listeners at home that haven't seen the movie are like, well, who is he? I gotta, gotta wait, wait till, till next, next week, week. dudes. <laughs> right. Gotta wait till next <laughs> week to find out. Because believe me, this movie gets even crazier. Does it? With each passing minute. I will say that I sort of harbored an idea that there was a possibility that this cycle could have possibly been the second gut punch. It was the only other thing that even occurred to me, like, is that possible? Maybe that's possible? It's So I think I have multiple gut punches, and after the second one, I just stopped keeping track. Because this is definitely... I remember when we were first talking about the landlord, and when we were first introduced to him much earlier on, I just remember being filled with glee and anticipation. Oh, I can't wait till we get to this minute. I just want to see his dance cycle. I want to see it because it's so beautiful and wonderful. And, and he's talking here. about it and you just throw it away. It's what, you just throw it away. Like plot-wise, mentally, just story-wise, anything. In the, yeah. in the magic of the movie, you it's just like completely a, throw it away. It's like a narrative grenade. <laughs> it's a narrative grenade. It's out there. You don't know and all of a sudden, here it is. But he Boom. throws it, and it looks like a popcorn ball. You get it. The circus. So it's like, <gasps> oh, well, yeah, just a popcorn ball. But it is actually a grenade, and it actually explodes in your face later on. Yes, a little uh, Rimsky-Korsakov. Is that the music? So the music, okay, so on the I've soundtrack? done a bit of research into this. It's not on the soundtrack? It is on the soundtrack. Okay. Well, so this is Pictures at an Exhibition, which was originally composed by uh, Modest, Modest, Musorgsky. I'm going to try this again. Musorgsky. Isaac Brock. He's good shit. Yeah. Musorgsky. Wrote this, and it was originally written for the piano. Eric it was Judy. It's a piano piece. Eric Judy is on bass, right? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Okay. It's a piano, but. Well, they have bass notes on a piano. They uh, did. They did. Uh, buh, buh. Yeah, so. Which one was weird because this piece of music, I'm used to hearing the symphonic version, and I was like, how would this even sound on a piano? It didn't even make sense to me. So I had to YouTube that up and found uh, the piano version. And it was actually like pretty, pretty cool because it still had all the different, like, all the various elements. And I don't know. See, I don't know the right vocabulary to discuss this, but well, just the right kind of like different textures and ranges and everything that was in here, but in the piano. So it's actually a really impressive piece of piano work, I thought. I don't think there's any wrong way to explain it or discuss it, but isn't like, isn't anything done on a piano cool? Like it could be happy birthday. I think you're actually right about that. And I like, don't think I fully have fully Smells like Teen that. Spirit or Tchaikovsky or Sibelius or like Sugar... Ray Leonard's boxing match as 
interpreted by a piano. Like, isn't anything pretty much fucking cooler on a piano? I, if yesterday I did not think so, but today I do. I do think so, yes. I retweeted something today about the birds, and I've seen a couple different ones of these. Did you happen to see that? You know, I tried to look at that, but, like, there was no audio. Ugh. I couldn't, I don't know why, like, YouTube mm. was just fucking up and there was no audio. So taking pictures of birds on telephone wires, and then the telephone wires look like... Okay, I don't fucking know. The lines, the horizontal lines. The staff. Probably name. Oh, the staff. See, you're better than me. Staff. And then the birds on each of the telephone wires. The birds were the notes, the wires were the staff. And then you interpret those into piano music. And it was beautiful. Beautiful. So it's not surprising that this piece of symphonic mastery would translate nicely into piano. Because piano yeah. makes everything fucking cooler. Yeah. I swear, man. Even stuff that's not cool initially, it can make stupid shit better. I'm a firm believer in the power of the piano. So, my so this was originally pulses. written for the piano. Mussorgsky wrote this for the piano. Amplitudes. However, various composers have turned it, made symphonic arrangements for it. Mesh protectors. Got that. The Just two making some notes. And, uh, most infamous, or just, I guess, just rather famous, regular old famous, not infamous ones would good. be <laughs> the arrangements by Ravel well, three amigos, and the arrangements I like by Rimsky Korsakov. Is his first name really Rimsky? It's like Rimsky hyphen Korsakov. It's the last name. It's his first name. But Rimsky would be a cool. You know, I don't know. You know what my composer's name would be if I decided to be a world-famous composer? What? What's that, Adam? Martin Randall. Okay. Dahl. Randall. Dahl. Rudolph Mantooth. Oh, okay. Randolph Mantooth, I'm sorry. Maringian Randy Savage. Do you know why it would be Martin Randall? Why is that, Adam? You do know. Don't you patronize me, man. <laughs> Fucking kill you, man. Go get I mean, all I can products. think of is the connection to Jack Dahl. Are you serious? Because you were em emphasizing the doll. Well, I did emphasize the doll. Perhaps I overemphasized the doll. Well, that is the dude's landlord's name, Martin Randall. Oh. Doll. Yeah, we see it on the... Uh, again, another one of these details, never noticed. But thanks to your uh, sleuthery, looking at these frames, there it is. I saw him on the on the on the uh, on the program that Walter's holding. Now, I cheated a little bit on this. I noticed that. I as well. found this like very early. I think it was the minute after we were introduced to Marty, the landlord, 
because I was just obsessed with finding out what his name was. So I wanted to go look at his performance and find a clue. And I saw that they had programs and there was something on them. So I was trying to focus in on Donnie's program because he kind of slings his around too. You don't go making programs for this event that you're going to show and not show the programs. You know, you got to advise them to like kind of flap them around like as subtly as we can. Let's show off the work that we did. I just wish for God's sake I could wish myself into this reality so I could read the bio and the description of the performance. I just, we can't. Somewhere, somebody's got one of these, so maybe we could wish a different wish, but I had to go forward, like, what, six or eight seconds to get Walter slapping it against his forehead in frustration after he tells Johnny to, Donnie to shut the fuck up. I mean, you see it, him waving it around, and you can get an idea that what's there. Right, but you you can get, yeah, the best shot of it is right after this minute, a very clear shot there for for like about a split second. You can pause it and see the nice big headshot of Marty. <laughs> then in big letters along down the side, it says Martin Randall. R-A-N-D-A-H-L. Yep. How's that pronounced? Do you think the, la- the D-A-H-L? Dahl. Dahl? Doll. 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 Okay. Got it. Thank you. So, did you know, Adam, that this piece of music pictures at an exhibition, the first movement of, of it, which is what we're hearing here, is entitled The Gnome? You said movement. Oh, I, I did, did not know that. And it is based on a sketch depicting a gnome which was clumsily running with crooked legs. The piece captures the Come movement on. of the gnome. It is jerky and furtive, like it Come is running from hiding place to hiding place. Are you serious? I am serious. This... I want you to stop for a moment, Brad. This is your finest moment. It's one of them. It's up there. In this podcast, this is your finest fucking moment. That's amazing. Well, I have a little bit more. So I was just reading that description from a a site called Painted on Silence, which is a layman classic. We're going to have to explain at some point, though, why that's amazing. But sorry. Oh, okay. I just had an idea of why it might be amazing, but I guess maybe... It's something beyond just what I think is the obvious reason. Okay. But, but when I found this, so I was searching for a lot of information on this piece of music because I was trying to, uh, you know, I just wanted to be prepared, know more about it. And I was trying to figure out, it led me down the rabbit hole of trying to decide, is this the Ravel version or the Rimsky-Korsakov version? I'm not really sure, but I'm ultimately going to say this is Rimsky-Korsakov. But I found this page talking about it um you know and it's it's a you know it's a decent size page maybe there's like 10 paragraphs here 
going over it's kind of this late classics for layman type site and it goes through all these classic pieces of music and it it talks about this piece so um what actually happened was the composer he had a close friend who was an artist and he died suddenly of an aneurysm uh when he was like 39 years old and then um and then this composer attended an exhibition of all this artist's work. There was over 400 pieces there. And he was still shaken by his death. Um, but seeing these, these pieces, you know, there's like all this emotion. And so he decided to write this piano piece called Pictures at an Exhibition, in essence, about these pictures. So each movement is kind of about a different picture. And the first one is the gnome, which is this sketch about the, the gnome with the crooked legs being jerky and furtive. But it, uh, but in this page, so there's that paragraph that I just read. It is jerky and furtive, like it is running from hiding place to hiding place. And this is actually quoting um, someone that reviewed this piece earlier saying that. But then the, the author of this blog adds, in parentheses, at the end, the dude's landlord performs his dance cycle to this movement in The Big Lebowski. There it is. So the this piece, the this big deal there piece is piece of music is that this reviewer, not the reviewer, but whoever mentioned the Big Lebowski, that your big takeaway here. The big takeaway. Well, there's two. Because I got so much more from that than just that. Well, first, the fact that it's about this gnome, and we have Marty playing the part of the gnome, right? It's okay. not just. I mean, that's surface. Yes, of purely course. Purely random. Right. The fact that. Well, that's not random. This, of course. Look at him. This piece of music is now intertwined. This is now known in popular culture as the dude's part landlord's of pictures at an expi- exhibition. Song. Yes. Those things are cosmically linked now. That's anytime. certainly what I always think of when I hear it. And even on this person that appreciates the classics, felt the need to... Uh, to mention the Lebowski. To mention that. I was just sitting back and listening to your story. You know, and being emotionally shaken, going through an exhibition by it was a friend the artist was a friend of the composer yes who had recently died and then this exhibition there is like seeing their work and it's almost like you're seeing impressions of them or it's almost like they're talking to you you might be hearing them they're speaking to you i can imagine because a work of art especially a painting i think Capital P painting, right. it's a very personal work, especially if you're intimately familiar with the artist and their life, what they're going through, their experiences, seeing that, and then listening to, it's not funny, listening to this music accompanying Marty's dance cycle, there's a lot of, I think you said furtiveness, jerkiness and furtiveness to it. Because yes. it's almost like these things, kind of like Trent Reznor's song that he did for Lost Highway. David Lynch wanted it to be like snakes flying out of a box past your head. That's what I imagine this is like, because it's like... And that's like you see something, 
and you remember your friend painting this. It wasn't quite finished, maybe, even. And these memories and these emotions just flying past your head like that. But the other reason I thought that this was fucking amazing is because we see we see the dude's life reflected back to him in his dream sequences, obviously. And think about when he sees the nihilists in his dream. Don't they have crooked little legs? Aren't they in, like, jerky, furtive little movements? They True. kind of resemble... They're in weird, costumey <clears throat> things. It's uncomfortable. So that's why... I think there's a little more to it. And, like, the music gets all weird as soon as they come around. Like, it's all twisted because he's in a drug-addled nightmare. But, you know what I mean? No, I do. Well, Weird little skin-tight outfits. Do those skin-tight outfits, they're connected, perhaps, to uh, Martin Kaufman's outfit here. Which Martin I not Ra- Randall? Before. Martin Randall, yes, sorry. Not Charlie Kaufman, who's sitting right behind the triumvirate, in theory. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. Scroll down, dude. I did see that. There's a theory going around that Charlie Kaufman is sitting behind Donnie the Dude and Walter. He's the guy you can see behind them when we can see them all three in the frame. That does look like Charlie Kaufman. I put a couple of pictures here so you can compare. Who knows? It could be any middle-aged, dark-haired, white guy, right? Here's the thing, though. This is in 98. He didn't have his first movie till 99. Being John Malkovich is really the first thing. Like, he was doing other TV stuff and little stuff, but he wasn't any sort of guy. The Coens were already established, but he has a Minneapolis connection because he lived there. And he went to NYU. And he okay. was born within months of Ethan Cohen. So Joel Cohen was born in 54, Ethan 57, and Charlie Kaufman 58. They all could have been cruising around NYU. They could have known each other from Minneapolis. It's some, like, you know, guy you know who also writes and makes movies. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you put him in your movie? Of course you would. You don't make a big deal out of it. You just do it. He's already writing his own thing. Hey, can you be an extra in our film? <laughs> I mean, I know they're past that sort of thing, but they would just do it as a fun thing. Right, like maybe he was there on the set visiting them. I mean... Yeah, get back there in the chairs. That'd be awesome. That could happen. Because I've seen varying reports. It's like some people are saying, absolutely not. He didn't even have a movie out yet. There's no way that's him. But I think there's a connection there. Well, I somehow think the fact that he didn't have a movie out yet makes it more likely. Because once he's hotshot Oscar-nominated screenwriter, he's not going to, like, sit back there. Right. It's not like it's a notable cameo. Like right. Stan Lee in these superhero movies, like give him a line and everyone's like, oh, look, it was Charlie Kaufman. Right. You, you can't even recognize him. He's all out of focus. 
He's in the although they did put a light there to light him up at least. He's not like just a vague lumpy shadow. You can actually see his face. But don't you think it does kind of look like him? It definitely does. I see your picture here and I see your I found pictures that had his hand on his face too. Right. No, yeah, especially that picture there. Him in the profile. I mean, granted the guy's out of focus. It could be one of these things where if we could, let's say, ma- through the magic of technology, like focus the image. Enhance. Enhance, right? Enhance. Or like they do with those Lytro cameras now. Okay, let's right. focus it there. It could be like, oh, wait, that doesn't look anything like him. Right. Now that we see it in focus, that's obviously, that's, that's a woman, actually. Like, you know, or he like, could turn, turn into that dude from the Goonies. I love you, chunk. Yeah, exactly. Anything could happen. But, but I, I think mean, these I guys' say, eyes are kind of close together. Looks like Kaufman's eyes are a little closer together. Um, the hair's the same color. Um, the nose. I don't know. Yeah, the nose, yeah, the nose is the right. same. The same just kind of like way of holding themselves is the same. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, there's definitely some similarities there. I fi- and here's one. Look at the jawline and how the jawline connects. Like it's parallel to the ear line. So like get the outside of his ear. I'm looking at the black and white picture of maybe a little more current, but if you follow the jawline and just draw a straight line out to the edge of the frame, it kind of follows. So it's almost like the ear is like rotated back just a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you look at the picture in the movie theater, I feel like that, although it's blurry, I feel like that is another little indicator. Because that's one of those physical, I don't know, tells. Like Brant's tells, it's a physical tell. It's the reason we can tell faces apart, you know? It's the nuances. It's never anything too crazy. Right. I'm just going to say that it's him. I think it's him. So Charlie Kaufman is in The Big Lebowski. Did anyone ever actually bother, like, just to ask him? Well, maybe we should ask him. Maybe we should send him a note. I'm going to send him a note. Hey, were you in the Bingo Bowski or not? Can we put this to rest? Uh. No, maybe not. Yeah, there's people that say yes, no. It's kind of a thing. Oh, Donnie, and your look of moderate confusion. <laughs> I just can't get enough of it. He does, he's not sure what's going on. The dude knows exactly what's going on. This is Marty, who I owe money to, and I have to be nice to him and friends with him. And I feel a little bit bad for him. I wouldn't normally be here, except I just need to pay my rent. If I come to this, I'll buy myself another two to three days. For this month, because he's probably already done with the other month. Maybe. This is a Tuesday. You know that. You remember that, right, Brad? Yes, I do remember that. And they had to drive from downtown Los Angeles to North Hollywood, Radford Drive, which isn't actually Radford. It's a different place. But in theory, Radford. And that would be 
It's 14.9 miles. And I routed this. So how, did, how are you getting this route again? We know where the theater is. We know where the theater is. And we know that they're going to Radford. Well, Radford is a street, and it's only about a mile long. It's only about a mile. Okay, that's yeah. the answer then, if it's right. only about a mile long. It's not very long. Now, we could route it is to... Is it near Camrose? Um, no, Camrose is a street that's like two blocks long, and it's just nestled away in a residential area. So the dude must have had his own reason for saying that, or the Coen brothers had their own reason they for saying that. They just more or less just made up two random-sounding streets and didn't bother to actually use actual streets at all. No, they definitely used Radford, because Radford is, you could make the argument, it is in North Hollywood. It's not really in North Hollywood, but it's on the, it's in the northern part of Hollywood, if that makes sense. Because North Hollywood's okay. kind of its own thing, it has its own little border, and Radford is not within the limits of that area. But Camrose? I don't know where they get Camrose from, because it's literally like 500 yards long or something. It's like three or four blocks just nestled away in a neighborhood. So why would the dude think that the In-N-Out Burger is on Camrose? I can't comprehend that one. But there's a bunch of In-N-Out Burgers. And who knows, you know, where they've relocated to these days. But there's at least three or four of them near Radford in North Hollywood. And it's, you know, it's close. It's close. I don't know. It's very close, Radford. But I don't know if I'd... I guess... I guess the north end... So here's my problem. I guess. I guess. If you were going to... People play a little fast and loose with the towns, but... It's more like Universal City, but... I guess that's North Hollywood. That's fine. That's fine. It's in the little... uh, Bermuda Triangle of North Hollywood, Burbank, Universal City. But it's outside that triangle. Closer to Universal City. Doesn't matter. Anyway, it's 15 miles to go to the south edge of Radford Avenue from downtown. How long is that going to take you? Because Google Maps tried to tell me this is Tuesday night they're doing this. So it's going to be rush hour. Well, well, what? You got 15-year-old Larry Sellers. (coughs) You got Pilar. She's going to be up. How long is it going to take you to drive from downtown Los Angeles to North Hollywood? And Google's telling me 26 minutes? Are you crazy? You got to be shitting me. But that's, it, when is it telling you that? Right now? It was telling me that at rush hour. 
at least what I imagine rush hour to start at in LA, which would be like 3.30. Because that's when it starts in D.C. Right. So you're looking at that at like 6.30 our time. Goddamn time difference. No, 3.30 my time. You're so right. No traffic. All right, let me look it up. Damn it. Yeah, because there's no way you go 15 miles in 26 minutes. Probably not. No, it's going to be like an hour and 10, an hour and 20. Probably. Maybe more. Maybe an hour and 40. Anyway, my point is, what time is night for Martin Randall? Randall. My cycle's Tuesday night. What time do you think that is? I mean, I would say this is after dinner time. The cycle. When he does his cycle? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to say because this is like who knows what kind of weird deal he made. Maybe there is some like piece of legitimate theater here maybe, afterwards. So maybe this he's is, like opening... it's some weird off time. It's at like mm-hmm. 4 p.m. or something. It's possible. He said Tuesday night. Is 4 yeah. p.m. Tuesday night? No, probably not. Or if it's 5 30, that could be Tuesday night. But yeah, I would generally think something like this is like a, a 7 p.m., 8 p.m. But let's err on the side of earlier. I'm just I'm trying to make a point here. So what what's the earliest you could say night Tuesday night is? Five thirty. Can you say five is Tuesday night? I think you can say that if you want to go as early. I mean, I generally probably okay. okay. Wouldn't. All right. Forget it then. Forget I wouldn't it. call it afternoon. What would you call it? Five p.m. Evening, maybe. So, night, evening, same thing. All right, that's fine. I was just going to try to do a little, like, you watch this, then you got to get out of there. Two hours later, you're in North, you're driving all the way to North Hollywood to get back to Venice. What's that going to be? Another hour and a half? I mean, that's so, I guess when a million dollars is at stake, you don't mind a little drive? Just seems like a lot of driving. And they just would have skipped Marty's thing. Well, they didn't know. That's true. They didn't know where Larry Sellers was. They're here watching Marty's thing. Then Walter shows up with the news. Walter's late because he was doing his uh, sleuthing work with his Sobchak security. How do you think he was doing that? Calling corrupt cops? Running... uh... You know, running names through the databases. Like, since 1991. When does well, night this start is September. Night well, would mean when the sun is down, for sure. Is, is it September, though? See, that's another thing. Is it oh, September? true enough. Because we don't... I have a little calendar I set up here. I don't know if it's September. There's That's a, a whole other. That could be a whole podcast just on the, dissecting that, I suppose. Yeah, just just figuring out what days, what's happening, because you know, here let me jump to date here. But there's a chance that this is happening in early October. That that first scene we saw happened in September, obviously September 11th. Yeah, that we've gone now. <laughs> Almost a month. Well, where is there chunks of time? I mean, you don't know when the dude 
He gets his rug pissed on. He tells Walter about it. And they say, oh, you should go talk to the Big Lebowski. Yes, we don't know how much time is in between those two things. It could have taken him a month to get on the Big Lebowski's calendar. So here's, here's what I got. The dude buys half and half at Ralph's. Mm-hmm. The date he writes on the check is September 11th. Mm-hmm. But you, that doesn't necessarily mean it's September 11th. It, so September 11th in 1991 was a Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. There's a good chance okay. he's postdating this check for 69 cents. Okay, there's a chance of that. Yeah, I'll go with that. So if he's, it could be Friday the 6th, knowing that it's a weekend, but maybe he's got, you know, if he can sneak through Monday, Tuesday, somehow maybe they're a little slow on their deposits. He gets some money on Wednesday. It it could be as early as Friday the 6th, is all I'm saying. Okay. All right? It gets us earlier, not later, but yes, continue. Er, I'm playing my own devil's advocate here. If he writes the check on Friday the 6th, and then postdates it for Wednesday the 11th, he could take the rug on Monday, for that matter, because he gets his head shoved in the toilet on Friday, talks to Walter and Donnie and gets all pissed off on Saturday. Big Lebowski won't see him on Sunday because it's a weekday when he sees him. So mm-hmm. he sees Big Lebowski on Monday, the 9th. Now, takes the rug on the 9th. Brant starts calling him the same day, maybe. He's calling him 10th, 11th, calling him, calling him. Well, he's calling him all day Monday, I guess. Takes the rug, calls him all day Monday. And then, end of the day Monday, towards the afternoon, Marty, Martin Randall, comes over. Tomorrow's already the 10th. This could all happen over the weekend and into Monday the 9th, is what I'm saying. And then Martin's like, oh, hey, I got the venue I wanted. Does he stay next Tuesday night, though, or Tuesday night? That might throw a little chink in my armor. But but Marty does say tomorrow's the t- today's the tenth. Right. The- we know it's the ninth, and I always thought it was weird to jump from, you know, September eleventh actual date because we see him write the date. We're assuming that that's that date because he's writing it, and I always thought it was weird to jump almost one month ahead for no apparent reason. I just have this long timeline of like. Brant calling repeatedly, question mark, all through the week. Brant calling the dude repeatedly, all through the week. Brant calling the dude repeatedly, all through the week. Well, I think the, the, the time frame for the dude to get an audience with the Big Lebowski is probably the biggest, the most likely gap we have. As we've discussed before, though, the Big Lebowski doesn't get many audiences. He gets his little wow. public appearances, but anytime he's got a chance to lord it over a smaller person, he's going to take it. So the dude takes the rug on a Friday. No.
says, rug pissed on a Friday, sees him on a Monday, calls him on a Sunday. I mean, bottom line is I think how- evening, whether this be October or September. The point was it would well, be dark day, in after daylight. If it's late October, I mean daylight savings time, and a then month later it's going to be darker, right? When is daylight savings time? And does California abide by that? Aren't there places that don't? California does, though. Is it Arizona that doesn't? I think it's like. I think Arizona doesn't. My aunt Indiana or Illinois or something like that. Oh come on, it's Arizona. Crazy. Well, maybe they do too, but the one out west, you're right. It's not California. It's like it's Arizona. Because sometimes of the year, it'd be three hours different when I would try to call them. And then other times, it'd be four hours different. And if, you know, it was after whatever, sometime or earlier, you'd try to call them at nine o'clock in the morning. Can't do it. It's 5 a.m. 6 a.m.? Sure. It'd be an asshole, but you can do it. Night. Nighttime, though. Fucking nighttime. My point was, they have a long drive ahead of them. Even though it's only 15 miles from this theater, which is what? Crane Jackson's Fountain Street Theater, which is actually... What? What's the theater? It has a name. Are you asking me? Yeah, I was hoping you could help me out, but. I don't uh, remember the name. It's the Downtown Palace Theater. Palace Theater. Downtown Los Angeles. And why? So is this where it was shot? Well, since Crane Jackson's Fountain Street Theater doesn't actually exist. We get to pretend like the Palace Theater is actually where it was shot because that is where it was shot. So that gets to be where this happened now. Okay, got you. Following the logic now. Downtown Los Angeles. And they have to drive to North Hollywood on Radford near the In-N-Out Burger. 15 miles. And if you're saying this is at 5, they're driving Tuesday night, a weeknight, in the fall, not the summer, not around any time where there'd be, you know, no, no worky, no schooly. You're telling me you're going 15 miles through downtown Los Angeles in 26 minutes? Because that's what Google Maps said. Yeah, probably not. I'm not buying it. It's going to take, how long is it going to take to go 15 miles in LA traffic at rush hour on a Tuesday? I mean... Again, if you're mainly so, I don't know, right? I'm not familiar enough to say. I mean, I realize LA has massive traffic problems. That's why you were born is, and raised in LA. I mean, I love LA, but I don't really know that much about it. No, oh. that's disappointing. Well, but I get the sense that you know, if you're not, <clears throat> you can still navigate. Probably, you know, if you're not on any of these main arteries or on the freeways. It's still probably somewhat navigable, but I don't necessarily know. I'm not sure what I'm basing that on other than just my general feeling of what it's like in the United States. 
which could be massively wrong. I live in the D.C. area, and I know that, so this theater where they're at is downtown L.A. And I know that it doesn't matter if you're downtown D.C. It doesn't matter if you're going north, south, east, west, back roads, side roads, low roads, high roads. It's, there's, there's, a no, there's nothing you can do. You're just not. You're well, just in the soup, man. Well, you're also just assuming this is at the location of the downtown Palace Theater, but... I think we established that I was assuming that, and you seem to abide by that. This well, is all predicated on that. I would... If you say I, it's somewhere else, that's a different argument to have. I could, I could say it could be somewhere else. Okay, but that's a different argument. I would argument. use it as Let's references. Let's finish this one out. Come on. I would use it as references for the interior. changing it around mid-argument. Well, I'm just trying to examine all the angles, right? It's a very complicated case. Finish this case. <laughs> angle first. I know you, you got know, a lot I, of threads, I got to Neil. use that the other day. Did you? I hope in a meeting. It was in a meeting. Yes! I just used it in a meeting. No one even, like, said anything. Aww. I blinked or no one noticed. I just said it. Wait, how much of it did you say? I said, it's a very complicated case. Lots of ins, lots of outs. No, and nobody... <laughs> no one reacted at all. How many people were in the meeting, would you say? Mm, More than four? Nine. Oh. Seven. Oh, man. That's depressing. You know, many people even got it, but didn't bother to like, oh, they were like, oh, we're in a meeting. I can't. Now, anybody throws anything like that out there and you get it. It's an open invitation. You know that. Yeah. You could say, you know, oh, I see you're on a strict drug regimen, Brad. Good. <laughs> but then they get fired. You'd fire them then. Probably. The moment anyone kind of steps out of line, right. gets too familiar. Don't contradict you or be too familiar or yeah, look at you for too it. long a period of time. Don't look you in the eye, especially. Especially the left one, because it's your crazy eye. Uh, let's be done with the uh, What else? Yeah. Come let's on. just do it. Just... <laughs> just end it. Why do I have to end it every time? Can't well, you end it once in a while? I... Poop deck! <laughs> That's all it no, takes! Man. That's all it takes. It's all oh. you gotta do. It's that. Alright. Yeah, we really go off the rails toward the end. We should maybe... Whatever. Next time on... Gutter Ball! of the series. Oh. Not exactly a lightweight.